the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Eternal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spell. She's actually sending me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Welcome again to That Witch Life Podcast. I'm Hillary. I'm your host today. I'm joined by Kanani and Courtney. Hey, everybody. How is everyone doing? I'm just really done with Mercury and Retrograde. I think by the time <laughs> we release this, It'll be it over. will be a distant, past, horrifying memory. But right now, I'm just really done. Yeah, I feel like all my electronics have been a disaster. T- oh, today, our, if you notice, our mic sounds a little bit different. It's because our normal mic... The good mic, the good mic, Hillary, literally is, just wouldn't pick up anything. It was so weird, and it did just fine five minutes ago because we recorded literally two episodes today. Ago, it was so, so weird, it, but I think it just said in its union contract that after an hour and a half, it will no it longer can't work. Do it. So, and, you know, like we do in in our witchcraft, we roll with it. We roll with it. So <laughs> anyway, thanks guys for your patience as we use my um, kind of shitty mic instead of Hillary's really good one. Yep. And while they were figuring out the tech, Courtney just handed me her. Halloween bowl full of old Halloween candy and was like, here, eat this and leave us alone. So I let the adults take care of the technology. And then she opened the window. And I ate a full-size Three Musketeers. And then she uh, left the window open and so then we had to record again. (laughs) What did you? Yeah, so that's how our day is going. That's how our day is going. Listeners, hope it's better for you. Courtney, you just got off a book tour, a partial book book tour, yeah? I'm in the middle of one, actually. So, again, we're releasing this early December, but we're recording it mid-November. So I'm fresh back from my trip to uh, Phoenix and Cedar City, Utah, and New York City, where I got to talk a lot about the Morgan, and I got to meet some of our listeners. It was really crazy. People came to... My book talks and said, yeah, I, I listened to your podcast. One woman at Phoenix, Phoenix Pagan Pride Day walked over to me because she recognized my voice and said, I listened to your podcast. Now oh, that's so cool. It was really, it was so neat. And so I, it was just really exciting to know that we're getting into so many of these incredible areas. And these events were just wonderful. Phoenix Pagan Pride was uh, fantastic. There were probably 2,000 people that showed up. And that's so fun. Wonderful vendors. I had got, and I had the honor of leading their closing circle. Um, people were just, you know, and I'm getting to hear people's stories about the Morgan and other things that are related to the work that we do. And I'm, I'm just thrilled. And um, By the way, if you guys haven't attended her book talk, it's really good. I went last night um, at QMEB uh, yes. and it was really, really fun. I mean, I thought the talk was really informative. I brought a friend of mine who also really loved it. So if you haven't been I met I met a fan there also. Yes, her name was her name is Angel. Angel, lovely, yes. lovely human. She runs the um, the the Wild Witches of the Willamette. Yeah, she also walks. does witch walks here in Portland. Yeah. I mean, she's the nicest person. I was like, oh, I'm so excited that you listened to the podcast. Yeah, we had a great time, and I had um, a, a just really enjoyed my time at the Utah Goddess Temple. That's my second time being there. It's this beautiful place right out in the Utah desert. Utah's actually a really gorgeous state. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, so just close to Zion and uh, just remarkable 
people and I just felt very much at home to be returning back there. And then I was in New York and saw a lot of my old friends and had a book release party at Catland in Brooklyn, which was really, really fun. So um, nice. We had a we had a raffle and um, just food and you know and I I just loved getting to see people and hear their excitement about the work. And then um, the talk at QMED was was fantastic. It was really good. It was a good turnout too. It was a really yes. Yeah, so I've been very excited about about all of that. And then um, I'll be in Walnut Creek, California next week. And so if you want anybody in that area that wants to come talk about the Morgan with me, I'll be at the Mystic Dream. So that information's on the website. So this is just a love note going out to everyone who's come to any of my talks in the month of November. Um, I thank you so much because it, it, when you're writing, you just don't know if anything you do is ever going to um, make it out of your computer, let alone become meaningful for someone. So anytime you tell like an author that the book meant something, it's it really means a lot. So thanks everyone so much. I had a dream last night that I told off everyone in the theater department that was ever mean to us. Oh, awesome. And we won't say their names on the podcast, but you I know who I'm talking say, I about. I think we should say their names. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but you know I exactly. I want to say their names you know, on the podcast. It was like, I dreamt I was back in high school theater. I looked at each one saying, you know you. what you said that one time, or you did this, and you had no business doing that because I was a fucking freshman and trying to figure my way out, and you were a senior, and that was totally uncool to step on someone. And you like went around the room telling people who had been mean to you and I. Because yeah. it was like... It was like mutually assured destruction. Well, and we were like kind of, we came as kind of a package. Day. I know we did. <laughs> we were never, oh my God, we used to, we got in so much trouble when one time, one of many, many times. I mean, more than once. Because for we sure. used to, uh, now it was, now this would probably be considered assault, but what we would do is we would get all the girls to put on the brightest, reddest lipstick we could if it was one of the boys' birthdays. And we and would kiss, him, on the kiss him all over, and he would have kisses all over his head, and it was... And it's and like theater lipstick, so it's like real <laughs> fucking hard to get off. And it was very funny, because toward the end of our high school career, when the freshman boys had their birthday, and he's they're looking as the girls are swarming them, he's and like... And they're like, God, like, no. And then the guys are like, sorry, man, but you gotta go with it, because you're not gonna get out of it. <laughs> and then one time it happened, and our teacher was like, oh, you're gonna get me fired! Don't do that anymore! We're like, okay, and we kept doing it. <laughs> I feel like we were so bad at theater. I stole someone's pants once, yes, and then did. I like put them in a drawer, and then I forgot, and then I went home, and so they were like had to go home. You, you stole everybody's clothes, remember? Because you were so you stole. Yeah, but I gave other people's back. Oh, I forgot right. this first. I like was literally like, you're not gonna get it back. And then like I like went was like, what's shiny? What's that over there? And like went on to some other subject, and then. I forgot, and the person was like, I couldn't find my pants anywhere. I had to go home in my costume. And I was like, that sucks. <laughs> oh, but that person turned out to be such a conservative... Douchebag? Yeah. Douchebag, nutbag, like... Yeah, it's scary, okay. I don't feel bad about that. That's scary. I hide from them on Facebook. They keep trying to add me, and I'm like, yeah, no, we don't need to talk, because I know what you're about. No way. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. like, you idiot. <laughs> There's always a few. All the things you missed, Kanani, by... Not doing theater with us. I don't miss any of that. <laughs> I'm I'm good. Shut up. We were cool. I'm good. We had the best. We had the just, best. Just we had more fun than everyone. Typically, else. the cool kids don't have to say oh, we. But were actually, cool. we were the cool kids. And let's just here's what hysterical. I don't think we told the story about how it was my 20th high school reunion this summer. Oh yeah, I crashed her reunion. You know, she, she was going to crash it, but then my husband couldn't get out of work in time to come. So I called Hillary and said, "So I'm here at my high school reunion by myself." 
and I'm really mad at the world right now. And so you have to get your ass over here. And she's like, you have to dress up. I said, no, just get in the car. And so she shows up. I was like in jeans and she was a t-shirt. And it was confusing everybody. And then of course, like Ree's in a nice dress. Like Courtney's in a really nice dress and I'm like, cool, bro. I'm in like torn jeans. I'm I like was in the garden. I smell bad. And it- it was like a really great night at first because all the cliques were intermingling and, da, 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 da. and it was like, oh, we've all matured so much. How fun. Until we went to the bar afterward in mass and the quote unquote cool kids totally ditched us along with a number of people. They like were quietly saying, oh, let's we're go gonna to go so-and-so's house. house. Yeah. Whispering campaign. We're like, we're getting and ditched. Like, and also there was like only five of us. It's not like they're... Like, I understand at someone's house, like, it's you don't want, like, 40 was people. There was, like, four or but five it was of us. very obvious they didn't want the theater, the theater freaks or whatever other... We were, like, we would just collect everybody else that didn't yeah. have a click with just come and hang out with us. And it happened again. And we t- all totally got ditched. And I sat there and I said, you know what? I am more than happy to be at this table because if that's what you're about, I don't need you. Oh, my God. It was just like some things just don't and the, and the, change. And, the, and there were two people that really were the impetus of that, and those were the people that were jerks then, too. So I know. Like, it was just going, okay, well, then I guess some things don't mature, and I don't feel bad that I am not more supportive when you post your baby pictures on Facebook. I'm just like... You're like, whatever. I'm just like, okay, that kid looks a little weird. <laughs> Kanani's over here staring at us like, God, she again, know anybody. again. Did you talk to anybody from your high school? The people I talked to from my high school, I'm still friends with. Okay. So, like, I've never gone to any of my high school re- reunions because I couldn't give two Fs. My I graduate, either. But see, also, you have to understand, my graduating class, there were 800 students. Which is twice the size of our entire school. Yeah. And I, mean, and like, I didn't, I, I, when I graduated. There was, like, 60. I did not know yeah, either 80. of the people sitting next to me. And both of them had attended all four years. So... My graduating class was huge, and I had a very tight group of friends in high school, and for the most part, I'm still friends with all of them. And so I have absolutely zero interest in seeing an entire village of people, most of whom I either didn't know in passing or only knew in passing, and finding out what they're up to 20 years later. Like I've stayed stayed close with, like, a number of people, uh, like, mostly through theater, um, and then there, I mean, and there actually have been a few people that surprised me that like turned out to be really cool, interesting, yes. phenomenal people that I connected with on Facebook and that now I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like so glad that like we know each other. Can yeah. I, what, what have you been doing? We know that Courtney's been on a book tour and that her book is really cool. And also she wrote a book. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> the snoring helped. Uh, um, I have been... I'm trying to think of what's been going on with me. This seems like there's been like a whole lot of stuff going on with me. Etsy We're getting ready. Store. Yes. That's all you're doing anymore is bug us about the Etsy store. That's true. Like we get, every time a card is sold, it cha-chings in her and app. Her phone. Oh, oh my God. Yes. We forgot to mention this. Okay. So those of us that have been, the people that have been buying our spell cards on the Etsy shop, whenever you buy one, she gets a ding that sounds like a cash register yeah. on her phone. And she gets so excited. She, has, she messages us about it. I was like, cool, like, awesome. So just know that that's what's happening. When you press buy, you're Kanani sending goes, immediate Woo! joy. Sending and we joy, and then immediately sigh. Immediate sigh. <laughs> immediate, well, immediate joy and then immediate stress. Because I do everything I can to mail out your envelope as soon as I possibly can. So that you can get it as quickly as you can. If she could send it by a drone, she would. And she could fly it there on a broom. She Fuck would. yes, she I would. She would do it. But also... Caveat, 
apologize for the horrible handwriting. I have absolutely horrible handwriting, so I'm always like trying to be extra I, good know, when I fill out the envelope. Do. I'm sorry to say that, but it's not. I look, have horrible it handwriting. It looks like a drunk child. <laughs> I have horrible handwriting. It looks like a drunk it child. Does. Well, I don't get you children know, drunk, so I'm going to have to take your word for it. That's what I'm saying. Enough to know that that's what their handwriting would look like. Okay, well, I feel like we need to have a conversation about that because that's concerning. I didn't yes, get that needs to be a separate, <laughs> separate yeah, conversation. But, like, who... Okay, we're going down a dark hole. <laughs> no, this, is, this episode is not going this well. Is, this is going south real fucking fast. Pull it together, ladies. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, so I have been up to... I've been working on... Um, I've been working on a lot of music uh, with a incredible cellist who goes by Chalista. Yes. Um, we're going to be performing together... Um, Quite a bit uh, in the next six months or so, but we have um, quite a big show in Chicago coming up um, on April 18th, um, and we'll post more information about that. But So I've been doing that, so busy, 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 um, and I've had some friends in town, and I went to Courtney's talk, um, yeah. which was really fun, and yeah, got to have a nice hangout with Kanani today. I picked her up um to uh, come down here, we're recording in McMinnville, so um, yeah, it was nice to actually hang out. I feel like we never. It's, it's I know it's always a three of us steals all of the attention. She won't stop talking about her book. She sucks the magic <laughs> out of the room. <laughs> actually, we do. I do have something going on. Um, as a lot of people know, I'm president of an organization, nonprofit called Other Worlds of Wonder, and we are actually hosting our annual Yule Bazaar, which is at Saturday, December seventh. From 11 to 6, and it's going to be at the Beaverton Masonic Lodge, which is off of Watson in downtown Beaverton. It's actually a really cool Masonic Lodge. And we have lots of local pagan artisan vendors that are coming out to uh, sell their wares. Um, And we also are going to have a special table where we've bought cards that people can sign that we're sending to um, Wiccan and pagan soldiers that are overseas holiday cards that we're sending them. So we've got that going on. And we'll have our cards there. We'll have our cards there. And we also are accepting uh, donations for Esther's Pantry. Awesome. Which is... A great, they're a great organization. Yeah, they accept non-perishable food and personal care items. And they work um, specifically in Portland with people with HIV um, and AIDS. So they're a wonderful organization that we really like to support and collect uh, canned goods for. Um, we also do it at... Uh, Columbia Willamette Pagan Pride and stuff like that. They're just a fantastic organization. So come by, say hi. Check them out. I went last year. I will year be there. To the Yule yes. Yes. I bought a ton of stuff. It's super Actually, fun. I bought my favorite necklace ever, which then my dog ate. Oh, that's right. Oh, it was so, so it was this right. beautiful, like, badger jaw necklace. And, it, and I mean, I didn't, I just didn't think about it. It's bone. So, of course, my dog was like, oh, what's this bone thing, right? Because she chews on bones, uh, like, you know, from the butcher. And so I, I was like, I'm such an idiot. Why did I leave that out? It was so beautiful. So I'm going to have to go and spend more money that I shouldn't spend. Yes. I'm thrilled. Yes. And it's fun. And we get to hang out. So it's good. So I'd love to welcome our guests today, Aisha Fadila Rashid and Selma Alamin. We're really excited to have you both on. I'm going to quickly read your bios so that our listeners know exactly who we're talking to. Um, And then then we'll get started. Aisha is a healer, organizer, and hard femme based in New Orleans and of Oklahoma roots. Over two decades in New Orleans, she has co-created and led numerous community support projects, including 10 years 
publishing the New Orleans Parents Guide to Public Schools and other efforts to support families and children in, the, in New Orleans. With gratitude to the city that nurtured her unfolding queerness, she's worked to create spaces and, ce- and celebrations of queer, um, celebrations for queer via POC folks. She's a co- co-founder, co-founder of Queer Cartography, a history-telling poster project, an ancestral, an ancestral <laughs> propitiation effort that centers us, that centers untold stories of queer folks made most invisible in history, and she launched a meetup called Black Brown Queer BBQ NOLA and, and of QISM, a collective of Southern queer Muslims. She is also a longtime member leader of Southerners on New Ground, a regional movement organization focused on radical progressive organizing in the South for liberation from race, economic, and gender oppression. Aisha currently uses her gifts as a body worker and ritual maker to find and build connection between traditional organizing and transformative healing, and is a co-shaper of the Spirit Grove Healing Cooperative. Aisha moved to New Orleans in 2000 to work as an education reporter to the New Orleans Times-Picune. And Selma, Selma is a New Orleans-based Sudanese-American healer, stylist, and spiritual organizer. She has lived and worked in the city for nine years as a crown healer and hairstylist for the queer and curly-haired community. In addition to an undergraduate degree in Middle Eastern Studies from the College of William & Mary and an MBA from Tulane University, she is apprenticing and practicing shamanic earth stewardship under the guidance and in the lineage of Dr. G. Love and of Nana Sakara Camilla. Learning to deconstruct capitalism, interpret ancestral and pleasantry messages, and use indigenous healing technologies for black love love and liberation. She helped co-create QISM, a collective of Southern queer Muslims, and is a co-shaper of Spirit Grove Healing Cooperative, a group of black women healers based in New Orleans. She currently offers, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at reading things. She currently offers crown care services specializing in transforming intergenerational hair trauma and energy work services, especially spiritual container making, supporting the cleaning and grounding of intentional gatherings and events. This is... It's like phenomenal. I mean, like, I I can't believe how much you both do. It makes me feel like I do very little comparatively. Um, <laughs> Not only that, they also did a major energetic healing on oh my, my computer. Um, I think we were getting punished because the first part of our show, the three of us just meandered into absolute pointless territory. Can you guys also energetically heal my inability to read things today? Like, I don't understand what happened. Like, literally, I've been talking fine all day, and I, like, have read things multiple times today with no problem speaking, and for some reason, this thing that I've read now multiple times, I'm like, blah, 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 oh, all over. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, and it's, um, so we were trying so hard to get the computer to work for some reason, the recording was not working. And then these two friends said, well, we're gonna do a healing and clearing on your computer. And so it was beautiful. We heard you guys doing your prayer and energy work, but it was also interspersed with just sweet, light banter, loving each other. And then we come back to the energy. I and I was it. like, it was I'm so sitting nice. here going, oh my God, they're also cleansing my soul. I'm just curious. <laughs> you, I heard you go, oh, there's some stuff. What did you pull off my computer? What did, what did you see? Maybe you don't want to admit that publicly. I'm like, I was going to say I know. I'll, I'll, <laughs> do not ask what I'll people de- found I'll delete computer. if I have to, but I really want to know. What did you pull off? Um, yeah, talk about it. Uh, well, it, it was, um, we used this 
uh, spiritual hygiene master list actually created by Nana Sakara Camilla, who is one of our teachers. And um, after uh, just working with the list of over 47 possible things that could be spooking you, mm-hmm. um, they sometimes things just are like, oh, well, it's a computer. You probably have robotic dark forces attack. Um, or, you know, somebody's some, yeah, there's some, so that was, that was the first thing. And then a lot of shape shifting things like to (laughs) climb up into, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, electronics. So, and I think it was uh, to me like one, and uh, we'll get into this in the episode, I'm sure, but like one of the things I'm learning, especially from Nanaskara and working with Selma is that like when things are off it's always useful to just like be like, is there a spiritual part to this? Because there is, it might be also a button didn't get pushed. Yeah. But something is making, interrupting what we're trying to do. And See, so, they're saying it's not all the porn you have on your computer. <laughs> hey, so there's nice. nothing wrong with porn, friends. <laughs> they're like, wait, we're not done with our list. <laughs> they're like, we haven't gotten to that part yet. Well, we're really happy to have you here, and thank you for saving us, because clearly we were falling apart, and we, I was just like, what is happening? Why is this happening today? And then we were all like, Mercury retrograde, of course, we've been yes, having yes. all freaking day. I can't wait till this hell is over. Um, <laughs> how are you both doing? Let me, I didn't even ask you that. I'm the rudest host on the planet. How are you both doing? Oh, <laughs> I'm doing okay. We both um, traveled today and just woke up from some delicious nap time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, it always feels rude when you wake up from a nap. It's like two different days. So yeah. this yeah. is Sunday part two. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Traveling is never, I mean, it, I used to do a lot of traveling and performing and, and people would be like, oh, that must be so fun. And I'm like, some of it is fun. <laughs> and so right. you just... Sometimes you're just like, I want my bed and a normal time zone and all this stuff. I mean, we forget how much the change really does shift your body rhythms Mm. and that you just, you do, um, especially if you do travel a lot, you can lose parts of yourself along the way and it's really important to bring them back. Which is why like having these tools and like remembering to be like prepared and intentional moving through, I mean, airports are full of wildness and like, and just like, also you're literally moving your spirit from one place to another. And that's a lot. I don't think that we were really, um, fully equipped for that kind of travel. And so we have to remember that this is something. And I always do a little bit of like, kind of just offering some, uh, restoration or apology and love to like Pachamama when I'm traveling because it's a like pretty intense price that the earth plays for us to be able to like fly around mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah the travel the airports are yucky yeah all in all of the ways, all the ways. <laughs> and I, it does take a lot to be like okay I was moving at 500 miles per hour and now I'm still mm-hmm. like, like 20,000 feet in the air where humans right. are not supposed yeah, exactly. to be where are all the parts of me? Did I return? <laughs> Am I all here? <laughs> well, we wanted to invite you on because one of the things that we have kind of talked about a little bit before is is witches that have a religious practice but are also witches and how that integrates in together. And as Muslim witches, I thought it would be really fascinating. Well, we all thought it would be really fascinating to talk to you really about how um, – how those two things work together, how they empower each other, and how you kind of balance those two things as well as, in general, how you, you know, got into magic practice 
yourselves. And, and that really leads me to the first question, question, which we always ask everyone, which is, when did you first realize you were a witch or a magical person? Mm. Oh, wow. I want to hear your answer, Aisha. I know. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you first. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel like in some ways I knew as a child because especially my dream life, I dreamed true as a little kid mm. and meaning that I would have dreams that then later I would, I would be like, this is not deja vu. I definitely dreamt this mm. and I would travel in my dreams, mm. but I didn't have like explanation for it. So that kind of got sh- silenced down. Um, and so I think the pl- way that I re-engaged with that knowledge was being a body worker. So mm-hmm. I became a body worker after leaving journalism in 2004 or five. Um, and as I started to practice, folks were like around me, I was blessedly led by ancestors to move towards. And that is how I met Dr. G love, who is, um, also a a critical teacher of mine. Um, so people were like, you should really be connected with healers and you should start thinking about energy work. And I was like, okay, great. I will do that. And yeah, I think from jump, there was some really like intense, immediate things that happened mm. when I started studying Reiki that made me realize that there's some magic in me and in the world. Like, just like, I was like, oh, there's energy, we're flowing, we're connected. This is something that I kind of thought that was true, but now I had like more and more language for it. And since then I've just been getting more and more language and also retrospectively realizing like, oh, this was magic work too. Mm. That's what was happening when I was doing that thing or how I've been able to like, like make things happen when I did like have Mm. abilities that I didn't understand. Like, especially like telepathy, like as a little Mm. kid, I had a lot of telepathy capacity that I just didn't have words for but I would be like I know things and I can hear things but I don't know why so how about you yeah uh yeah I feel similarly in that when I look back it's like oh of course very um active dream life and being I think so for me so I think both of both questions are the same like I coming to coming into being a witch was through Islam yeah because so growing up we memorized a lot of Quran um with uh you know the 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 daily prayers that Muslims pray five times a day. And so you need to know some verses to, to pray and I would memorize them. And it was just always like, mm-hmm. a, this is something that you use mm-hmm. in these, in these different mm-hmm. ways. And so the, I, the first time I remember being like, Oh, this is a spell work. <laughs> I was, um, it was like summertime. My parents just like dropped us off at like one of our friends house. They mm-hmm. had like a, you know, pool and mm. volleyball court and their apartment complex. And we were just like playing in the sand and some kids were bothering us. Mm. And I think, that, I mean, they really wanted to get a rise out of us and mm. we were just like not allowed to really hang out with other kids. So we just sort of ignored them. Mm. But after a while, one of them got a little aggro. And I mean, the only thing I knew to do was read Quran. Mm. And then all of us just started 
chanting the soda that we knew. Yeah. And when I opened my eyes, they were gone. Wow. And I was, Whoa. Yeah. Something just happened. <laughs> did you here. send them I mean, to I'm another sure did you send them to another portal because they obviously I have deserved no idea it? idea what happened, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm closing my eyes. This is really scary. All yeah. I know how to do is say the Quran. Say the Quran. Mm, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Oh, man, I'm just getting... <laughs> I have, like, my all the hair on my body. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this does feel like the beginning of a, um, a, a of a movie where the children are sending bad kids to another universe. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, someone needs to write this. Aisha, do it, do it. Aisha, write your movie. <laughs> write it immediately, quick. We all want to see it. I don't want to wait. Put it out on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that was, it was definitely a moment of being both like, okay, we're, we're weird kids. People are going to pick on us. Yeah. And also this weird thing is part of our protection. Yeah. I feel like Islam is so full of magic. Yeah. That as a child, like, I just, I don't think my parents would have called it witchcraft at all. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, And they would might have they might have talked about it as mystical right right? but like maybe that was the extent of it but islam is so full of like look at the natural world Mm. and work with that um like there are beings that exist in the space right next to you that you can't see you know it's just like full of this kind of stories and for a child especially for me for me as a child those were the things that resonated like I was like other stuff I was like okay you know do I wear a hijab but yeah I was like yeah 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 anyway um, (laughs) what about these guys right I'm like um and so that was the stuff that was like really felt resonant and powerful to me or like watching the moon and being in relationship to the moon yes um I remember one time driving home I was like probably like three or four years old and my mom saw it was like a super moon and it was low and big and my mom was like baby look at the moon and I looked at it and I freaked out and started crying and like would not couldn't pull it together my mom was like what is wrong with you and I she was like you were afraid of the moon and I was like sort of I was just like completely struck by its awesomeness yeah like Like, overwhelmed by it right yeah I found it overwhelming like the level of magic and I was just like ah and just like (laughs) I don't know what to do with this (laughs) too much magic (laughs) you know it's interesting I think that's so neat that that you that really you found that magic within your religion because I think we've had people comment on this before that some of the most powerful and most magical people are don't necessarily wouldn't necessarily or don't always call themselves witches or they wouldn't have originally defined themselves as such you know right. yeah and it doesn't involve getting initiated into any witchcraft tradition no. or a wicca or even neo-paganism to and that was something we were talking about with our guest in the last episode about mm. uh, they said well i'm not a witch because i've never been initiated and we were all like, were like well uh... but you're <laughs> working with the spirits of the earth to make change Mm-hmm. I, and like actively you know, you doing spells, actively yeah, creating magic. And I think that's what's something that's so beautiful right now is is watching the different kinds of witches come out of the broom closet. And yeah. some of them um, are still like they're, they're they're Jewish or they're practicing Christians or or you know or they're or Muslim. Muslim yeah. Like you know when um, I first met Aisha, we were in Phoenix, and um, she was talking about her witchcraft and how it was deeply rooted in um, in her Islamic faith. And I was like. 
oh yeah, this is beautiful. And it was just, it just taught me so much about, um, just the, the, how wide, wide the embrace of witchcraft is in this world. I know. It's really amazing. Yeah. I think it's interesting that like religion has both been, if I like with new eyes, when I look with like old paradigm eyes at religion, it is a place of telling us that magic doesn't exist and the like the higher power is like a controlling and not loving but mm-hmm. then when i look with like new paradigm eyes i'm like oh these were containers for doing the practices of what yes. we call mm-hmm. these were processes they were rituals we brought them to the masses through organized religion but then i think they many times often got deeply disconnected from that magical source and then became just the thing you're mindlessly climbing a ladder to climb it. But I'm like, what? That's what I mean. What else was happening? The bushes are burning, and right. like folks are getting messages, and yeah. the spider is like building a web to hide the prophet from right. you know his enemy is like over the mouth of a cave. Like, what is happening except for magic? And right. So you're like court. obvious magic. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and very nonchalantly, like, I think in most, like, the, the theology that I've studied, it's very, like, it's just happening. Like, right. people aren't like, oh, that's, I mean, sometimes they were like, this, something scary is happening. But for the most part, it was like, oh, we just need to part the Red Sea. Let's, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> just part the Red Sea. Not a problem. that the prophet went on astral projected on a unicorn right <laughs> like this is not uh, this is regular it's like i believed in unicorns as, and yeah. everybody around me did because so only slight magic then just a little bit of magic just a little bit <laughs> astral projection to a unicorn amazing. wow yes. and travel to the dome of the rock and that's a, there's a whole entire holiday celebrating that that's mm-hmm. amazing <laughs> How, when, when you, when you, fir- I mean, when you first started kind of coming into your own magic, um, or your own practice, how did you establish a practice and what did you do? What have you done to maintain it? Mm. Oh man. Ooh, a lot <laughs> of doing first. Surface level a- is fine. I know that's a lot to ask. Yeah. Well, it, it's just that there have been, um, so I, I was referred to this earlier, but like memorizing the Quran and having to pray five times a day wasn't something that I actually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so there, part of my journey was doing nothing and be rejecting all of the things that I learned. And then obviously coming back to them, but with like Aisha was saying, new eyes um, mm-hmm. and realizing that the discipline of ritual was necessary to have this like 3d 5d life to be Mm -hmm. able to integrate all of the things that are happening Mm -hmm. in the dimensions and so um i'm a gemini rising i don't like doing the same thing all the time it's kind of i get bored i want to be i want to do different things no i mean we gotta check and see what your rising is i'll bet it's gemini (laughs) probably and so yeah it's been it's been really nice to learn um, new tools and 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 practice them, you know, learning Reiki and also a lot of the things that I've learned have brought me back to the original um, connection for me, Islam, and been like, oh right, this is something that I did learn. Oh, that's mm-hmm. actually actually when I move my body like this, I am clearing. Mm-hmm. 
involved in this and this ablution when I do before before prayer is a water ritual, and mm-hmm. now I do it every day, mm-hmm. it, and it just it feels it feels different because it's been infused with I mean my own agency, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then also like yeah. an understanding that it's about um, yeah just having having a some discipline to come back to. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think that for me, I would say that part, an important part is I listen to you talk so much, like an important part of how I stay in the practice is knowing you. Oh, like, I, so like, <laughs> I mean, being in like the power of being in a relationship to another black Muslim, witch person is really mm-hmm. phenomenal for me. And I was like on this journey we also have the same birthday, 10 years apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tomorrow. Yes. No, two days from Tuesday. today. Oh, oh my birthday. God, happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> what? Damn it, we Thanks suck. We should have sent you guys gifts. We should have known. We didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, this is well timed to do this interview. It just really two is. days before our birthday. Um, <laughs> which is part of how we came to know each other is because we were like, oh, birthday twins. Hi. In this room. Oh, yes. We were, oh, my God. We were standing right here yeah. at the party. Oh, weird. Full <laughs> circle. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Tiny story. Before I lived in the house that I live in now, it was a house where parties happened. And oh. someone and I both were at the party together and met in my living room, but before I lived here. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cute. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like having the mirror, I started to study with Dr. G um, more than 10 years ago. Like, yeah. And then um, participated in as a Selma soul shift, which is a <clears throat> gathering of um, healers internationally who are working on the mission of preserve, protect and practice mm. uh, indigenous spiritual technologies. Um, and so that community is a huge source of like keeping me engaged and keeping me like learning and excited about my practice and like weaving magical practice into my daily life all of the time. But I think also like it can't, I knowing other Muslims who are doing this work has helped me return to mm. all our, you know, I remember when I realized too, that like ablution that we do is a spiritual bath because we were doing spiritual baths to go into like our altar space collectively at soul shift. And I was like doing running through the ritual and being like, this is what do like, I remember this from being a little kid. Like I hated it at the time because yeah. it was like, you know, somebody was like monitoring you. Uh, it was just like this kind of routine lost unconnected from magic. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, Oh my God, I love doing Wudu and I do it between every client like, I do it to clear myself from energy that I receive as a body worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've also had some really powerful guiding um, sort of cautionary tales from teachers who've been like, hey, when you get in here and you don't do these practices and you're not paying attention to your spiritual care, that causes harm eventually. Like, you mm. will – and your body will not. Like, a lot of massage therapists and body works workers don't do the work for more – I've been doing it for 10 years and, like, pretty consistently and like all the time for the last five years and that's longer than most body workers last and that's I'm clear that it's because I've had teachers who've been like you've got to be grounded you've got to be doing energy work you've got to be tending to your altars you've got to be on your spiritual care (laughs) like you cannot collect all of this um 
all of what your clients bring to you and let it sit upon you and expect to be well. For sure. I mean, I think you both, I think anytime you do a lot of work with individuals or with, especially within community, I mean, you're, <laughs> there's so, you're, you are, um, around so many different energies. Yeah. And, and so it's, I think it's really imp- so important to make sure that you take time to care for yourself so that you don't just get completely energetically overloaded. Oh, you know? that's the kind of thing I've been jumping up and down screaming for years since I went through my major magical <laughs> burnout. And then you get into a place where if you don't do that re- regularly, you get to where you don't want to because you're so burned out. The idea of even Having taking to do that anything step, else. Yeah. And then you're really in bad shape. And a lot of, a lot of witches can get, can get broken that way. And it's, it's, we we can't afford to let ourselves burn out in this age when, when witches are needed so very badly. So much. You know, speaking, speaking of community, um, I, I mean, obviously from your bios, you both are super involved in multiple communities. Um, and, and how does your, what role does your magical practice play in that? How do you, what do you bring to the table with your magic? Ooh, I'm so excited that at this point in my life, really nothing I do doesn't have magical. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I just uh-huh. am like, yes. A hundred percent. You know, um, I think all kinds of ways, like certainly as I'm working on people's physical bodies, I'm doing that work and I'm hearing mm-hmm. and I'm channeling and I'm like hearing what, um, like listening to their ancestors who often like, the way I think about it is that I invite my ancestors in the room and then ask them to invite theirs and then they talk to each other. Oh, <laughs> and oh wow. The um, and so that I'm like, so it's filtered through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, so I, I do that all the time. But also I believe ritual is everywhere all of the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I believe that like habits, we're making ritual towards whatever it is that we're focused on. Right. And without intention, we make rituals towards the things we actually don't want to make exactly. bigger. Exactly. And so my whole life's mission is to try to like build ritual towards what I actually want and help mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. do that. Like what is our actual intention? Mm-hmm. And let's go in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. So like I just spoke on a panel um, in Ohio to like folks who are mostly like white anti-racist people who are trying to figure out how to be better, more effective in their anti-racism and spoke about black liberation. Mm. And, you know, in that I was constantly, you know, one, I was doing my own ritual, like crystals in my pocket, mm-hmm. like clearing and sending light to all of the people who are hearing the messages and also protection because that's a kind of dangerous thing to be doing out here in these streets. Um, but yeah, also yeah. as talking about it and talking about ritual and talking about how organizing work is a part of ritual. Ritual is there. It is Mm -hmm. not like a thing you do later after everything is destroyed or Mm -hmm. after everyone's broken and their bodies are exhausted Mm -hmm. and burnt out. It's what you do all of the time in order to stay present with yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can do the transformative work that's needed. One of the things that you said that I agree with a thousand percent and one of the reasons I'm always kind of perplexed why people who do practice some sort of religious faith have such an aversion to magic because to me every religion has stories and things they do and rituals in them that either are stories of magic or are rituals themselves that to me it's kind of ironic then that they then see it as something something, you know bad or evil and so I feel like 
Dr. G Love taught us for like has been on the message for years, all the time that I've known her, that the witch hunts harmed us in these mm-hmm. ways. Right. But like one of the one of the legacies of the witch hunts is certainly like the killing of a lot of our sort of lineage ancestors mm-hmm. and also by the way, a lot of queer people because right. yeah. Yeah. gatekeepers are often the people who mm-hmm. are carrying magic in a community, mm-hmm. but also we're forcing us into fear. And so right. we're so knee jerk towards fear about even talking about it yes. that, you know, yeah, it's like there's ritual. I mean, once I can sit with somebody and be like, so, you know, when you like get up and like wash your hands and face in the morning, that's a little ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Like, I, praying, I mean, and things like, you know, praying to a rosary, right? Like, yeah. You know, things like so that. Much ritual. But did you, in, at any point when you kind of really started getting into the magical aspect of it, did you ever um, hesitate or have difficulty with combining the two? Like, did you ever feel like I have oh, yeah. to practice one religion but not the other? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, well, I would say that, so... The harm of a lot of oppression for me showed up in not being able to see myself in the world. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. about to be 43, and I, when I understood myself to be queer, it was at a time where, like, I had literally never ever seen, an, I had never seen or met another black, like, queer woman, and I certainly had never seen a queer Muslim. <laughs> like, I'd never heard of such a thing. So, like, I had to be, like, in, I, I existed but couldn't find myself reflected and so therefore internalize a message that was out here that I couldn't actually exist and be all those things right that like mm-hmm. I I was like well I'm queer and so that means that I'm not Muslim right and because uh-huh. I had been taught by Islam, especially by Islamophobia which is one of the things I really realized has wounded me more like it's interesting because I think people sometimes think the religion is super restrictive and it has been and that's been true in the forms of Islam that have like moved across the globe have, are some of the more like can you know fundamentalist versions so mm-hmm. it's not to I, I not I want to acknowledge that but in the U.S. I feel like Islamophobia is what really told me that I wasn't allowed to be free and Muslim okay. even though not that was true my family was not telling me that I couldn't right. be my whole self mm-hmm. so wow. I think that combined with mm-hmm. then as I understood myself to be queer and then had to heal around being like, oh, I can be Muslim and queer, and then had to heal around being like, oh, I can talk about <coughs> spiritual practice right. in these spaces where people can't imagine me. Like, mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, I'm Muslim, and people are like, oh, well, you must be really repressed. And I'm like, no, this is... You're like, that's an assumption you're making. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I definitely have been afraid of talking, and like I, even course. as recently as being on a... I was on a... And, like, in a meeting, like, I was gathered into a healer collective kind of thing a few couple years ago where somebody was, like, creating a table of people doing racial justice healing. And when we went around and introduced ourselves, a number of people were clergy, a number of people were, like, um, you know, different kinds of healing work. But all a lot of people who I would say were, like, on the more commonly acceptable traditional, like, Judeo-Christian religious Mm -hmm. kind of traditions... And then maybe, like, one other spiritualist, because Mama Sula was there. Like, and when we got to me and I talked about being Muslim and a witch, I could see the room. People were like, I I could see, like, especially, like, the black clergy members mm-hmm. being like, we're so unable to process who you are. And I did yes. feel that. Like, oh, crap. Oh, that's, I said, like, that I'm, like, feeling. I'm, like, cheering right now. I so, know. Yes. <laughs> 
The other thing that I thought, I mean, this is just circling back a little bit just because how powerful would it be if every one of us, if every single one of us saw all these things we do throughout the day as ritual, like how much would that shift us? Yes. Because we throw, so we, we, we throw so much of that away. We're like, oh my God. I got, shoot, I don't have enough time to take a shower. Oh, I got to do this thing. Oh, man, I have to go brush. Oh, I have to walk the dog. I have to, you know, we see all of these things as um, as things that take away from us, from our time. And what a gift it would be if we all went, holy shit, th- this is like giving to me actively. And, and we no longer saw that as a as something that took away, but as something that was part of the magic we create. And I think this is, this really um, speaks to a, a question a guest had, um, or someone wrote into us a couple episodes ago, feeling like they didn't have time for magic, or they felt like the because the, the people around oh, them were. This, this, this yes, is such this a, is such a great. I hope hear. I hope that she's listening because she felt. Well, we should email her too because that's yeah. amazing. That would be so, so yeah. Because she, she felt like her. Her husband wasn't being supportive of her witchcraft and she didn't have space in her room. And it's like, but from what you're describing, it's just, it's a flow that's moving through you. It's not like yet one more thing somebody has to fit into their day. It's a, yeah, it's not, okay, now I go do my witchcraft. It's like, now I do to go do my ritual. It's like, I wake up in the morning and I start with ritual. And that is like, it's such a powerful thing because I think that like, Mm. you know, I think that we, we just ignore those things. You know, I've, I've often said like sometimes the most connected part of my day is like just walking my dog or driving to work. I mean, it seems crazy because, you know, I'm like going somewhere and having to think and do things, but it's the time I have to myself to be able to just sit there and be, um, and kind of just be with myself. And, And I often find that I connect there, but I guess I've never like call, I mean, you know, I still, I guess have thought, well, this is a, this is just the thing that I do for the day. But I mean, I think what a gift that is to like center that back as your day-to-day routines to be part of your magical practice is like a really powerful thing. Um, yeah. The intention behind the routine is what makes it a ritual mm-hmm. being able to, well, one thing that we, I learned from Islam is that all actions are made by intention. Yes. So, I'm sorry, I keep coughing. But, I'm like, I don't know what I like took a bite of a chocolate bar and started choking over there. It was, was, it, like, was it was it was it was it was um a chocolate it was medicinal chocolate. It, like I took to some deal with chocolate to, to deal, deal with, with their tech problems. I, yeah, I did, I was like, oh my god, somebody give me some chocolate and then I took a bite <laughs> and I feel like it keeps getting caught in the back of my throat. I'm sitting here trying to like silently not cough. They're probably gonna be like, "What is that wheezing in the background?" That's what it's just, she's doing. It's just Hillary. It's just Hillary trying inhaling, to like inhale. vaping chocolate like a I bad know. bad person. <laughs> vaping chocolate. No oh, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I so I would love to hear. You know, you talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but it, it seems like it was quite natural for you to integrate, um, you know, magic into your religion. Do you think that? Um, was there a point, did you, you know, did you find, did, at any point did you find it, find the balance challenging or, or did you find it challenging to, challenging to try and, did, did you find it challenging to meld those two together or did you feel like it was one, you know, like it was always part of one whole? Mm. Oh, yeah, I think the challenge came 
for me or the challenges that I face are similar to what you're the listener who wrote in is when I start to be like, well, I don't have time to pray five times a day, you mm-hmm. know, in the way that I'm thinking like, this is what it means to be a Muslim, or this is what it means to be a witch. This is what it means to be somebody who's, um, you know, in integrating and whole, like I, I can just, um, I just have all of my ducks in a row. But, um, and, and so I think just changing the way that I think about it, like what we, there's just what we were just talking about and just being, bringing, um, my full self into it being like, well, I don't, I can't do that. That doesn't mean that I'm bad or not practicing because I'm not praying in these ways. I can just turn the thing I do into a prayer and then I pray all day. And so ah, mm. if when I'm, for example, now, yeah, every time I'm in the shower, I just say out loud, I make the intention to clear myself. Yeah. Oh, water is so powerful. Yeah. Everything that's on me that doesn't belong to me is now going down the drain and just commanding that into mm-hmm. my life you know, as, as a ritual. Or like when I listen to Democracy Now! every day, like that's kind of torture. Mm. But it is torture. I, it's total torture. It's, like, it's also like, this but, is, a, I mean, I'm doing it every day. Like I just saying, like, what am I doing? Am I going to amplify these terrible things? Or am I just going to be like, I'm wrapping everything Amy mm-hmm. Goodman is saying in a bubble of Reiki light. Mm-hmm. That's and beautiful. And sending that as part of my, my prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah. That those little things. Yeah. I mean, I think where I, uh, the place where I think balance has been a process for me is, you know, I'm, well, I feel like Scorpio's, I don't know what it is in my zodiac that makes me be very exacting and be like, I have to do all of the things. It is not. <laughs> but you have to. I think also like maybe being, like, <laughs> you have to do all the things. Yes. That I'm like the correct way is to do it in this very meticulous way. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a really great place to be a little bit OCD. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, and also, like, I feel like I kind of grew up with the, like, if you don't do it exactly right, like someone was saying, yeah, then you're get not, the you know, get all the points, and you didn't fast all the days. But then, I think, like, so I learned these new strategies, like, strategies from our teacher, Nana Sakara, especially about how to ground and clear, and, you know, like, how to meditate, and started to get a little overwhelmed with how much I was like, I have to do all of these things, and there's too many things, I remember. I was yeah. talking about this and being like, we need a menu. I don't yes, know. we need a menu of things to do every morning. And then feeling like, my God, I spent my whole morning just like getting myself spiritually together. But then I realized, um, and as Courtney knows, and so I'm like folks know, I'm ex- I have been through a lot of grief in the last couple of years. Yes, losing my mom and my brother. And what one of the main lessons of grief is to slow down. Oh, and so. so and I think one of the main lessons of doing all of this work has been, so, hey, actually, your first client is at 11 a.m., not because you don't have, you know, like, you're lazy or a bum, but because that is right. Like, I, you know, you're going to move through the morning, getting things together, getting yourself grounded, making space and time, and then you're going to, like, move, you know, transition into and move towards, right? And so I think actually ritual that can seem burdensome is often like helping us slow down. Yeah. And I think oh, most yes. of the time. That's so important to hear. Right, right. Yeah. 
I think it's, and I think that I think that slowing down is like the part of the response to the oppressions because they keep oppression. I was I took care of my friend's five year old for a couple of nights, and he goes to kindergarten, which means he has to be on the bus at like six fifty nine in the morning. Oh, and I was just I was so angry like both days because I was just like we first had to get up at five and do all these things that were not really aligned with where anybody's body was. And then, like, sort of hurl him into a bus. And then, like, <laughs> hurl in myself yeah. into my life. And I was like, well, no wonder so many people, especially people who have kids, are, like, in, like, just, like, we sort of, like, move through our day dazed and numb and angry. Mm. Because, like, that's how we start. And I'm like, well, that's not okay. And I'm like, well, this seems on purpose. So I think where there's, where it starts to feel balanced frustration, my advice is mostly to be, like, consider that there might be a need to slow down and that like where are the places in your life that you can be like I'm gonna actually slow down a little bit so that there's a little more space to feel grounded like I love your like you know going in your morning like making that a ritual and being like this is an opportunity to slow down I'm walking my dog that's ritual (laughs) it's so true because I think we well first of all I think we criticize ourselves for taking time right like I find myself doing this frequently I'm like It's a weekend day. I mean, like, obviously, sometimes I just have to be up because it's a work day or whatever. But it's, like, a day off, and I'm, like, angry at myself. I'm, like, disappointed that I've, like, slept in, right? Because I'm, like, oh, I I did that today. I was, like, oh, my God, I have laundry to do, and I have all this stuff I have to do, and I have to reorganize this thing. And I was, like, I was, like, going in this spin of all the things I had to do and how stressed I was. And I was, like, really? Is it what's going to happen tomorrow if I don't do laundry? I mean, like, am I going to die tomorrow? No. Like, you know, it's like, so I think that it's such an important, um, reminder that like, yes, there are some things, some responsibilities we can't get out of, like getting your kids up, getting them ready for school. You can't get getting, rid of your kids. I mean, you, Kanani threatens all the time. Kanani tries to get rid of her kids regularly I tell and no them, one will take them. I told them I'm going to and they don't believe me. They just keep asking me for snacks You're like, I'm going to get rid of you and they're, like, and they're like, yeah, right, mom. Anyway, can I have your phone? Yeah, but, you know, kids, I think, keep them. <laughs> you know, but I think it's really true. I think, I think so often we don't, um... We just, we just put so much pressure on ourselves to, like, get everything done all the time because there's this idea, I think, both uh, societally and en- sometimes that puts out an energy that makes us feel like if we're not doing every minute of every day, we're wasting time. And I think that that is, like, so inaccurate because if we are all fried all the time, right, when I'm fried at the end of the week, I can hardly remember my middle name. Like, I'm just like, what even am I, you know? So yeah, I think that's such a good point, slowing down. And um, Adrienne Murray Brown has also a podcast called um, How to Survive the End of the World. Oh, my God. And yeah. she had she had a great quote. She, that, that, that podcast is full of incredible quotes to live by one of the things she said in a recent episode was birds know when to coast oh my god so trust 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 your process that maybe you just need to to float for a while right Mm -hmm. i think that's so true that's so important um i wanted to make sure the other the the one of the questions i really wanted to make sure we got in was do you have any advice for listeners who have a religious practice or an established established religion who feel that magic or are wanting to bring in magic but aren't sure how to integrate the two like they they're either feeling that same thing that you felt where it was like oh me 
you know, like there was some like at the be you know the, you felt like there was magic there, but also, you know, it's like how do you balance? I think there's pressure and like you don't want like you said before you don't always feel comfortable saying to your, um, you know, religious leader or your your religious community saying like you know hey. I think I'm a witch or I'm practicing magic, you know, obviously there, you, you want to be cautious, but is there anything that you can, you know, any kind of words of advice you can tell people that are maybe practicing Muslims or Jewish or Christian or any other, any, any other religion, religion, any religion, um, you know, that when they're feeling this sense of magic or they're feeling drawn to magic, you know, what's something that you feel like you wish you would have known when you were in that place of feeling those two things simultaneously? Mm-hmm. If you could talk to your old, your your past self and say, hey, here's some yeah. advice to get, get you through. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think one thing is to make space for questions mm, in religious weird. tradition. Um, and that's a, it's a tender thing sure. because you start to unravel stuff and that can feel like, oh no, now I'm questioning everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like I say that, like, but make a little bit of room for being like, oh, I'm just curious. And like, you know, like what does my faith tradition actually really say about, you know, ritual? Mm-hmm. Like where are the rituals? What are my rituals? You know, I think it really helped me to be in a conversation with other queer Muslims about Islam and queerness. Like Mm -hmm. that was like just a helpful, like as a space to have that conversation. For sure. I think, I think I would say find your, find somebody who can talk with you about it. I think Mm -hmm. like, I feel like, like I said, my, knowing Selma, knowing you has been super healing because we can talk about it. And I know I'm talking to someone who's not, uh, inherently, side eye to Islam mm-hmm. like yeah. which I think is hard I mean I have a lot of beautiful people in my life who sure. are very loving and supportive but they literally don't know anything about my religious faith so like if I go to them for when I when I would go to them for like affirmation they didn't weren't able to give me the same kind of affirmation that I can get from someone else who has actually mm-hmm. been in this faith tradition you know so I think that finding buddies or conspirators or colluders who you can talk to about that and I think some faith traditions there's more of that out there mm-hmm. and I mean, it was really hard for me for Islam to get there but it's there so for all of the little Muslim witches out there we're here <laughs> we should, we're gonna have all of their information on our website so yes. please feel free to connect I mean I think that that you know when you're especially when you're feeling like you don't know who to talk to I, I think it's like it's so beautiful to know that there are people out there that are like you, you know, I think that like, sometimes we feel very alone, like we feel very alone in who we are, whether that be our beliefs or our magic or, you know, or sexuality or, you know, any of it, any of it. And it's like, we, it's very easy to feel alone in that. Like, I don't know. I'm the only one going through this. And when you realize that you're not, that's like a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. huge yeah huge because then you're not like all these things that i'm feeling don't make you feel crazy you're like oh this is just the process like other people are having these same feelings as me i know for me you know um even just now being able to connect with these two they, though they're a pain in my ass pretty much all the time they it's <laughs> what we do they, they still i mean like every day it's like if i'm if i am experiencing something or i i have people to 
to bounce that off of. I have a, a magical sounding board and that is like, that part of community is huge. And I, and it doesn't, we've mentioned this before in the podcast, like it doesn't have to be, you know, people in person because some people are in areas where there aren't people, right. That they know about, or it's not safe to see if there are people, but with, with the internet and the ability to reach out to people, there are people there online that can, then that can help you feel less alone, you know? Also, I feel like if I had a chance to go talk to myself in those struggle moments is, I mean, pushing back on the being in community is like being alone is part of the process for all witchy people coming into their understanding their mission. Oh, so true. Yes. Because like you alone have this one mission. Nobody else can really understand it. And that is absolutely not a bad thing that you feel alone about it. It's just that part of being going through figuring it out is that like, it is, it is a getting to know yourself process. Mm -hmm. So just, yeah, like there are going to be moments where nobody will understand what you're doing. And that's because only you can do what you're doing. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good point. That's probably true even with other people that are similar to you and in a similar experience. Because, yeah. Because while, I mean, like while I use these two as a sounding board and while I feel that having the connection to them and other people in the community is like a huge gift, I also, I mean, like it doesn't explain everything. <laughs> it doesn't no. solve everything, you know? Just, um, it, it, you know, I think that, I think that's really true. And I think that part of that process is kind of lonely, but it, but it's, but it's, if you see it as less being alone and more in being with yourself, um, it feels maybe less like isolating, you know? I, I, I also really liked what you said about when integrating the two religions, that one of the things you can do to help feel like you integrate them is find the magic in your religion. Yes. yes. All religions have magic. All, all, every, it's spirit, you know, like it's spirituality. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter what your religious practice is, like, or whether or not you call yourself a witch or not. Like that magic exists universally, it, even outside of religion, in the woods, in the tree. You know, it's like it, it's you don't, all around us. You don't have to choose. You don't have to choose. You don't have to choose. Yeah. Well, and I think like I would say another layer that I feel like I definitely learned a lot being in collusion with Selma is I think one of the places where people might have these moments of like, oh, no, is sort of an ancestry. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you have that kind of, like, beloved grandmother who you're like, oh, she's going to be like, what are you doing? Right. Um, who, you know, like, I think in my ancestor work, because it's a big part of my spiritual work, I have sometimes been like, do they get it? Are they disappointed? And I've learned that I'm like, it's just, they just, the A, they are, I believe, once people cross over, they're aware of much broader reality. Oh, a hundred. I believe that a hundred percent. So know that like even your very conservative, whatever grandmother, auntie, you know, parents who's mm-hmm. passed on, they actually are in, in excited about your growth, development, happiness, joy. Like yes. that I think is what ancestors are wanting for us and for, for our sure. For sure. Um, and so I think that, and then I also think like you can do the work of talking to them being like, here's what I'm doing. Right. Like, yeah. you know, right. like Explain. I'm looking for guidance from you and I'm explaining what it is that I'm doing so that you are oh, understanding. Feeling- yeah. yeah. And I think that in some ways I feel like my sort of, um, everything that I believe is magical. I feel like it has this sort of 3d purpose. So I feel like in the 3d, 
it means that like I'm calming my own fears. Mm-hmm. It's like they're de- like you know I mean they've passed on. They're not like, they're not really worried about any of this in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think on the five D, it's also like a way to like clear some of the wounds that our mm-hmm. people had because the witch hunts affected them, mm-hmm. and part of the reason why they may not have been aware to teach us that magic was in us. I mean, especially for melanated people, especially for black people in this country, like a, a lot of this was violently suppressed. Not yes. just, you know, it's, we look, we don't frown upon it. It was like, you will be killed for doing this work because it's freedom work. Yeah, it's life or death. Yes. Mm. So it makes sense that they're, you know, like your grandma might've been a little like, don't be doing that voodoo, right? That's like a survival right. tactic, right? Exactly. I mean, that's like survival. And if and if they, you know, if your ancestors experience trauma like that, like, of course they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, or live, or of course they mm-hmm. understand more when they cross on, but especially when they're alive, it's like, that was, that, that was dangerous. So that doesn't just leave us just because times have changed, you know, trauma doesn't just disappear because it's, you know, people are more accepting of witchcraft suddenly, you know? Mm-hmm. Well... We, um, we really, really appreciate you coming on. I think that, um, it's so nice to hear kind of the in-depth of how you found magic in your religion and how, and how it was just there all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's really powerful. I know that we have a lot of listeners out there that are, you know, have, are part of other religious, are part of religious practices that they don't, and they struggle to figure out how to do that. And I think there were so many good insights just in how to take time for yourself. And so I'm just so deeply grateful that you guys... I know I'm taking a lot of this. There's a lot of reminders I needed to hear, so I'm offering I mean, a sincere gratitude. Also for clearing my computer, which was... Oh, really, thank you. I'm so grateful. Which was clearly in desperate desperate need. Well, I'm thank you guys for the work that you're doing. Because Seriously. the work you guys thank are doing you. is just it's invaluable. It's really phenomenal. And I think, you know... It, we need more people like you both in the world. Yes. You know, I really, I just thank you so much. It really means so much for, um, for to us to have you on. And thanks for making time for us totally wacky witches <laughs> Which who are like falling apart <laughs> all over here, all over our technology. Thank you for your patience through and that. And we will have links on our website. Yep. Um, so if anybody wants to reach out to Aisha and Selma, you'll be able to find them. So go to thatwitchlife.com. And don't forget to email us if you have questions that we want us to explore on, for, on further shows at thatwitchlifepodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Join us on the first and third Mondays of the month for magical tools, tips, and stories about living as a witch in today's world. Find us at Life.